Hi, it's Justin. And it's Laura. And it's Count Time, Season 3. Thanks so much for listening and staying with us this long. I mean, I think it's amazing those listeners that are still here from Season 1 to the Rocky Season 2, and now to a very uncertain Season 3. <laughs> Uncertain, but promising. It's not going to be quite the same as the first season. Thankfully, not at all like the second season. Right. Not that the second season was bad, you know, but that's reality. County jail's loud. <laughs> it's hard to hear people when you're on the phone with somebody who's in jail. Second season was, you know, unique. Very unique. <laughs> unique for everybody. But unfortunately, it just seems to never end. So we're at season three and we've been doing a lot of research. Well, rather, Laura, my counterpart, has been doing a lot of research and I've been the beneficiary of a lot of that research. (laughs) Well, thank you. Do you want to mention who we saw recently? We went to Rise. Yeah, local nonprofit who helps people who are serving time and who are out. They also are very active in our political system as far as, can you refresh her Yeah, name? Jasmine Harris. Jasmine Harris. So she was running for mayor against Gene Stothard, who was the mm-hmm. uh, local incumbent here. And I'm, no offense to Miss Stothard, but I wish Jasmine would have won. Oh, man, I know. Yeah, I voted for her. <laughs> well, if I could have voted, I would have voted for her. <laughs> yeah, Unfortunately, we'll get into I that. don't have my civil rights. But that's one thing that Rise is looking towards changing. And that's a mm-hmm. number of things that Jasmine has been talking about as far as the lobbying for the Nebraska legislature and as far as making the changes to the different codes, I guess, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. that Nebraska has that really are anti-inmate. Yeah, Have you ever been to a place that wasn't that way, though? Minnesota is such a felon-friendly state as far as the things that they do for people coming out of jail or people coming out of prison, and they're not soft on crime there at all. They're some of the toughest prisons They have this one prison we drove by and it's literally underground. You can drive, believe it was in like uh, Apple Valley or something. You know, like Minnesota (laughs) has such friendly names to everything. I mean, everybody is. I went to Sandstone, Minnesota and I was like, these people are so freaking nice. Like the people that work at that prison, it just blew my mind. They'd be like, hey, how you doing today? You know, like your average guard and like instead Mm -hmm. of like, get away from me, maggot, you know, like or whatever, like, like you would experience in the South. It was just such a breath of fresh air. And Minnesota is such a huge, great example for what states could really do as far as like being felon friendly. You know, they ban the box on applications. You don't have to check. Have I been convicted of a felony? If so, what? And so what are you supposed to do on that box? You're supposed to explain everything that happened in two lines. You know, like I've been convicted of X, Y, and Z. If I was an employer and I had no experience in the criminal justice system and I had no experience with people who had been incarcerated, my first reaction would be like, next, I'm not going to consider that if I have no experience in that. There has to be training that employers and HR departments Mm -hmm. get, which are more than just smile and nod during the interview. I've experienced that so many times. You know, okay, I'm going to go for this job and I've disclosed everything. I do it before even the interview because I don't want to waste my time or their time. Right. You know, yeah, like, it's valuable. I don't want to go to some interview, spend an hour getting prepared, go to the interview only to be, just have some lady across from me smiling and nodding at me. I had this recently happen to mm-hmm. me and I just stared at her the whole time. I'm like, there's no fucking way that you're going to hire me. Right. <laughs> and, well, you pick it up after a while. And, I mean, it's just like, just say it. No, it's not going to work. Save us both the time. We were talking about this. These were some topics that were discussed in our meeting with Rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shouldn't say meeting. They have a uh, a weekly 
meet and greet type uh, gathering. Yeah. It's a breakfast. Yes, it is wonderful. Everybody, please go. We will link to it on our website and Facebook to make sure everyone has visibility to it. That's great. Yep. Yeah, it was really refreshing, though, because when we were there, we were talking with people and one lady, super nice, walked up and she thanked me for not asking anybody there what they did to be there. Which didn't ever occur to me, but right. yeah, but, but she, you are the minority in that. If somebody yeah. were to come off the, like if my mom were to come <laughs> off the street, she might be like, oh, what were you in prison for? You know, right. totally innocent. Not I will interject, innocent to her, but not to people who are reminded constantly and ostracized constantly, disadvantaged. They don't deserve that. You know what? And, and I will say like, nobody really looked at me that way either. I remember being just astounded by the professionalism Mm -hmm. of the whole organization. And everybody there has experience either one-on-one, you know, with the criminal justice system, been there themselves, or had their lives affected by a family member or something like that. I wouldn't have guessed that half the people I talked to had also been in jail or also experienced that. And that was just so cool to see because you see an organization like that, uh, they're totally engaged. I think you hit the nail on the head though. They're engaged. They care. It was great to see people who did not define others by an action or a mistake or a chapter of their life if it was more than one mistake. Something that shows up on a background check. Yeah, That's it, or having know? to check that box like mm-hmm. you were talking about. It is so refreshing. It's an unconscious bias that we try to avoid, but most of us can't. Well, and we try to avoid it because we're conscious of it. And I think that that's the biggest thing that we need to be bringing awareness to is to those people that are not conscious of it. You know, it is, I'm not saying it's a protected class, you know, but should it be? But I was just going to say, should (laughs) it be though? And I just want to say we're not conscious of it, but we should be because we're all your neighbors. Absolutely. We are all around you. <laughs> and if you don't think you're affected. Don't right, exactly. <laughs> but if you don't think you're affected, you just don't realize you're affected. Right. So it is really wonderful to see and be around a group of people, but an organization who care and they want to make strides in improving that. For me, since being out, I've always tried to be honest with what I've done in the past and what my record looks like. When I first looked for jobs in New York, It wasn't a thing. Nobody ever ran a background check on me. Nobody Mm. ever did a drug test. I never even thought twice that somebody was going to look into my background as a decision whether or not to hire me. I always thought it was based on my resume and how did I do in the in the interview? You know, and it might have. I mean, that's early two thousands. It was, was. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then I come back here, and it's like they want to run a credit check. They want to yeah everything about your life. I'm not applying for a security clearance here. You know, I'm applying Mm -hmm. to you know go. At first, it was working a plastic factory. You know, like I don't do that anymore, thank God. But at the same time, it seemed like such an insurmountable thing to get over for me. And it definitely did prevent me from going after certain jobs because I was afraid of the rejection. And I can't imagine how huge of a thing that is, especially for people coming out of jail, just thinking, I've been rejected enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I've either been rejected by my family, I've been rejected by friends, I've gone and done X amount of time, I'm now a felon, I now am an inmate, I might be somewhat institutionalized by the time that I've done in mm-hmm. jail. So I have all these things stacked up against me and now I have to worry about not being good enough for this stupid little factory job, whatever it is. I'm not saying it's a stupid little factory job. Like people need to start somewhere, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's like sometimes you don't even want to try because right. you're just so afraid of it. Just nope. 
Well, you don't want it to define you. So do you feel like there's more pressure coming out of jail than before you went into jail? You have to prove yourself and everything that goes along with it. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And part of me, like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I thought, you know what? I would just rather be in jail. And I know mm. that that's crazy sounding. And no. obviously I don't really want to be in jail. But sometimes like with all the pressure of, Okay, now I got to get out. I got to work a job. I got to support my family in whatever way that I possibly can. I've got to pay all these bills now. I've got all these things that are unfinished. You know that, I mean, the bills don't stop just because you went to jail. The bills don't stop just because you went to prison. All that stuff is now in collections and your credit score has dropped. And like Mm -hmm. all of these things are now against you. And it's just sometimes it's like, I just want to go where I wake up. I go to breakfast. I go to my stupid little prison job, which we've talked about ad nauseum, you know, in our <laughs> podcast and then I go to mainline and then I go home and then I go work out at the gym and then I watch some TV and I go to bed every single day. And yeah, I do all of those things without my beautiful little girl and without a partner, you know, it's so much more pressure out here. And so when you experience that compounded pressure and then it's not just these societal norms that are putting pressure on you. You're also having all the people that you left behind Mm. putting pressure on you. So those people that are still there, your parents, your friends, your, you know, whoever it is that maybe you were keeping up with while you're in jail, they all have expectations of you too, Mm -hmm. whether they voice them or not. You're now like, Oh, I got to do right because this person is, is counting on me to do right. Your kids are counting on you. The more I talk about it, the more it's just, it seems so overwhelming because it is just so big and it's a lot of pressure for somebody who's already at a disadvantage to have to live up to. And so it's a wonder that so many people fresh out end up going right back. It doesn't surprise me at all because I've been there. I've been there time and time again, and I am statistically the most least likely to recidivate. Right. I had every advantage and I don't take that for granted, but I did take it for granted because it doesn't matter what advantages I had. I had the same things coming out that I had going in that every other convict has, you know, coming out of a federal prison sentence. At the end of the day, I screwed up and I continue to screw up, but I have to get back on my feet and I have to not let those mistakes define me and put me right back in that place. And I think that's where it's so important, especially for us to have, you know, either a PO that's understanding or mm-hmm. people in our lives that are understanding they're not going to just throw you aside every time you screw up. Yeah, you need people who are accepting. And I think back to what we were talking about, RISE is such a huge organization about accepting and encouraging and promoting and supporting people. Exactly. And that's who we need in our community to help Free of charge. This. You know, these are all yeah. services that people can go to. I mean, even now, like I could utilize their services, mm-hmm. you know, like I could mm-hmm. contact them and be like, hey, I'm struggling with this. What can you do? I'm struggling with substance abuse or I'm struggling with I can't find a job. I can't seem to get ahead. Here are the things that they're able to put you in touch with. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so incredible about an organization like that. Not only can they do that, but they aren't going to raise an eyebrow across a desk from you either. No, which is that's I cannot say how refreshing that was. I so I've never had any interaction with the law. I've never had any trouble with this. I have no record. But I know so many people very, very dear to me Mm -hmm. that have. 
And I have opinions based on that through exposure and or experiences, albeit at secondhand. So I'm very opinionated. And it was great to be in an environment where whether someone has or has not had some of that exposure themselves, they were all on the same page. Right. And that was because I'm with you. I'm in a very similar demographic. I have every advantage. I am so privileged in ways that I understand and respect, but I'll never fully comprehend. Right. But I try to keep that in perspective. So it's great being an environment where they, everyone of any demographic just encourages and respects each other. For sure. And that's why it's so great to have those kind of community organizations. And what I'm looking forward to is seeing what they have to offer, seeing what we can offer them as well. You know, the different things that we find out that are going on, we're going to plug here, you know, as Mm -hmm. a resource for our listeners, because who knows how many of our listeners are people that are also in jail. I mean, I know I've certainly promoted the podcast to... (laughs) Throughout my various, you know, times, either with staff members at the jail mm-hmm. or law enforcement that's currently arresting me, I'm I'm talking about count time, and I'm making yeah. people aware of it because. People need to hear it, especially like law enforcement and people in positions of authority. You know how many times I've sent links to this podcast to my federal probation officer? (laughs) I mean, I want them to know this is what we're doing. There is a purpose to it. I'm not just out here trying to make it. I want to thrive. I want to do- And help others thrive too. Exactly. And there's just- Take away the stigma, take away the darkness that is surrounding a felon or somebody who's convicted of a felony- One reason why I adore my grandfather so much is because he is so reformed. Yeah, and you can tell that just by... Oh my gosh, you have one conversation with this man, it's just an emotional outpour of care and devotion and interest in every person he comes across. And I've seen that with guards he's interacted with. I've seen that with fellow inmates he has Mm -hmm. to step in front of when he has to go past them. I mean, you talk about how ridiculous the respect is sometimes, but it's it's very real. But I've seen him, it's almost beyond the respect though. Like there was one time he just tapped a guy's elbow. He's like, I'm so sorry. Because he had to step over his foot, which was clearly injured. Like it's just... He is the most caring person I've observed outside of my emotional attachment. Sure. That's so cool. He's so respectful. He's he's truly a reformed person, which I believe is what prison should be centered Mm -hmm. around. It should be centered around reform and reentry into society. Right. And I agree 100%. And I think that, you know, being able to see that is so cool. And... I agree with you. Like, that is what it's all about. It's about coming out better than you went in. And mm-hmm. you have to, you have, the last thing I wanted to do was come out of, you know, the long stint in federal prison, a worse person than when I went right. in. Come out and just be just as addicted to meth or doing all of these things the same. Like, it, what is the point? There's no purpose then it's just a waste. I have to grow. I have to grow in how I handle my day to day, how I handle the struggles that I have, because by God, they're not over. You know, Mm -hmm. like I struggle every single day. Meth is never going to just leave me. I'm never going to just be able to be, oh, I'm done with that. You know, don't worry about that anymore. It's not. It's everywhere. And it's constantly knocking at my door and I have to deal with it. And I have to figure out a way to do better than I did last time. And so I think that that's so cool about your grandfather. I'm excited to see what we have to offer in the future. I know that we've got a number of episodes in the pipeline now. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep a couple more in the chamber before we go full, <laughs> full-fledged. full But it looks like we're coming out on March 1st with full episodes. So I hope that everybody will stick with us until then. We can't wait to see what we got for you. And just remember, we're all your neighbors. We sure are. <laughs> <laughs> 
find us online at CountTimePod.com or on Facebook under CountTimePodcast, hashtag CountTimePod. Produced by Daniel Argerbright and Laura Leatherwood. Music by Matt Williams and Elliot Torres. Logo art by Nick Chalupa at Hikari Studios. And just remember, we're all your neighbors.